What is going on, everybody? Welcome to episode eight of Courtside Views. I'm your host, Andrew Bostic. I hope everyone had a great New Year's with the friends and fam. We are officially back to our two-day-a-week schedule, and I am pumped because there is news galore going on in the league right now. The Bulls are riding a league-high eight-game win streak, leading by the most clutch player in the league, DeMar DeRozan. This man is hitting game winners off one feet, two feet, does not matter. Players down in Houston are leaving at halftime, completely dipping out of the arena, and refusing to sub into games. The anti-vax man himself, Kyrie Irving, is back. Road games only, but he's back. That's just news in itself. And then, of course, LeBron is back to his king-like ways. There is a lot to get into, so let's not waste another minute. Let's get right into it. The Chicago Bulls are back, and the Chicago Bulls are the hottest team in the NBA, riding an eight-game win streak, currently leading them to a 25-10 record, which is good for the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. I know we touched on this before in our previews about the biggest surprise teams in the league, and the Bulls were one of them. To have the Chicago Bulls at this point is absolutely insane. DeMar DeRozan is playing like a legit MVP candidate. I don't necessarily know if he's the full MVP, but to even be in that conversation when he was the laughing stock of the offseason of just a confusing sign-and-trade situation between him and the Spurs, to get out of that situation and to step into a full 1A lead role for these Bulls team is incredible. DeMar DeRozan is averaging 27, 5, 5. 50% from the field, and he's shooting 37% from three. He's making just under 1-3 a game, but the fact that he's even slightly extending his range is fantastic. He's not being a negative on defense for the first time in nine seasons. DeMar DeRozan is re-energized. He took all the hate and is just putting it into a ball and doing everything with it. DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, you could argue, might be the best 1-2 punch in the league right now from a full 1-A, 1-B because they can get you from anyway as a combo pick and roll pick and pop getting to the paint and just the smoothness that it is and I think what really helped Levine step into this role was playing and showing success in the Olympics you saw what he was able to do overseas playing with guys like Durant playing with guys like Tatum playing with these ball dominant players Dame Lillard where he was forced to move off the ball if he wanted to get on the court and he was forced to play defense and forced to be a catch and shoot player and you're seeing him do that. Levine is showing extreme success to where he doesn't have the ball all the time. He's not making crazy turnovers. He's not trying to run the pick and roll by himself every single time down the floor. Now he has DeMar to do it. And for him to be able to step into this role and still average 26 points, just under five rebounds and also four assists while shooting an insane 40% from three with his volume is incredible. So they have an, an amazing 1A, 1B tandem. And for DeMar, you have that closer. Not many players in the league can do what he's doing in the fourth quarter. You think of Kevin Durant, you think of Steph Curry, you think of LeBron James. DeMar DeRozan is first in the fourth quarter for every single scoring category. He has the most points. He has the most points per game. He has the highest field goal percentage. He has the most clutch points in the final five minutes. He has the most free throw attempts. He has the most free throws made. He is the epitome of being able to close out a game, and not many players have that. You see him hit back-to-back game winners, three-pointers, some from 30 feet out, one from the corner while being double teamed. DeMar DeRozan is giving the Chicago Bulls team life. He's giving them an identity to where on any given night, if DeMar DeRozan is healthy, this team can beat anybody. You pair that with Levine 
And while there were so many questions about this roster heading into the offseason, when they're fully healthy, and I know it's going to be tough because Patrick Williams isn't there, but with the roster right now who's able to be, to be had, you're throwing out Alex Caruso, who is an incredible signing in himself, and we'll touch more on that later. You have Lonzo Ball, perfect fit into this offense. Glue guy, defense, pass first, knows his role, is perfectly fine with the ball. Catch and shoot rate is shooting 46% from three, and can get a little bit of a shot himself. Tries to stay away from the paint, but knows his role. And then you have Vooch. People forget that Vooch is a three-time All-Star who has been extremely cold this entire season, but he has picked it up over these last eight games. He is averaging 18, 15 boards, and he's shooting 37% from three on six attempts per game. That is what this team needs. If Vooch is going to be able to put up those kind of numbers, he's still only shooting 40%, uh, 44% from the field, which isn't super high. But if he can do that kind of range from three and be able to give them a third scoring punch with all the balance this team has, they're picking guys from the scrap heap. Mac McClung is out here giving minutes looking like a mini Caruso. You're, you're getting everything. I mean, whatever you can. Derek Jones... Javante Green, they're doing anything and everything just to stay alive. Their defense is still in the top 10. I don't see them as a top 10 defensive team. I just don't see it. Even with a healthy Lonzo Caruso and the way Levine and DeRozan are playing, I just don't trust Vooch as a paint presence. He reminds me way too much of Yusuf Nurchich, and that Blazers defense is atrocious on defense. So their perimeter defense is fantastic, but when you are relying a lot on Vooch and Tony Bradley to be your rim stoppers, at some point, it's going to have to give, but they're so offensively talented that it's okay to have an average defense. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's definitely more the middle of the pack. The biggest thing is Billy Donovan has this team firing. This team is pulling up every game defensively, whether it's back-to-back game, whether it's four days break. They're giving the full 100% intensity every single game, and that's all you have to ask. When you have your superstars bought in, They are going out and fighting every single game. And you have two potential all-star starters in DeRozan and Levine and a third technical all-star in Vooch who is just here playing his game and fits in whatever way that he needs. This team is going to be a menace in the playoffs. I know we were kind of joking about it. I was like, oh, yeah, they can make the playoffs and be like a four or five, potentially a six seed team. This team is going to be fighting the entire season for a top one, top two seed. They're going to be fighting with the Nets. They're going to be fighting with the Bucks. And they're going to be up there, and there's a chance that they could have home court throughout the entire playoffs. And Chicago's going to go insane. If Chicago fans can see their team as a number one seed in the playoffs, from all the love they showed D-Rose and those teams, obviously all the love they showed Michael Jordan, this team is going to show out in that arena. And it's going to be hard, especially those road games for other teams like Chicago is a tough place to play the way that they're rallying around this team. I don't want to see Chicago. I would not, as a Cavaliers fan, I don't want to see Chicago. If, we're, if we somehow end up being a four seed and they're the one seed, seeing them potentially in the second round would be tragic. That would be tragic because this team is tough. This team has everything from a pure basketball standpoint that you can ask for. They don't have a rim protector, but they're going to be in the bio market. I'm sure they're going to be trying to make trades to try and get some kind of backup center because you can get a backup center for cheap. I can see them going after a guy like maybe Nerlens Noel. Knicks necessarily aren't too much in it. Seeing them going for a backup center that can give you 10 to 15 minutes a game. Look at how important that is for a team like the Phoenix Suns with JaVale McGee. Uh, you saw in the finals when DeAndre Aiden went off the court, they brought in a guy like Frank Kaminsky 
Now you see when DeAndre Ayton goes off the court, you bring in JaVale McGee, an Olympian, bringing him off the bench and seeing how much of an impact that has. If they can bring in a guy like a Noel, a Noel type, off the bench that completely changes their defense to where you don't need to run offense through him, but he's going to hold you down, that's huge. And I can definitely see them focusing on that in the buyout and the trade market. But the Bulls are way beyond advertised. Like I said, 25-10, and 10, number one seed in the East. Give them their candles. Give them everything they need. The Bulls are here, and they're not going anywhere. We have drama in Houston. That's right. The 10-25 and 25 Houston Rockets, good for third worst record in the NBA, has drama galore. They're already a super young team. Already have drama because they refuse to play John Wall for some God knows reason. They refuse to play him. They refuse to do anything. But that's not even the headline. The headline is John Lucas, assistant coach and acting head coach while Steven Silas was away, gets into it with Christian Wood and Kevin Porter because apparently they were lazy on the defensive end, and apparently it heads back to they were late to a mandatory COVID testing the day before. So apparently that had to do with their effort level on the defensive end. Not really too sure there, but apparently it escalated so highly that Kevin Porter actually left the arena completely at halftime. Just dipped. Pulled Antonio Brown. Just completely left. Said, nah, I'm good. Christian Wood refused to sub back in, said, I'm not playing for that guy. Said, I'm out. Fully disrespectful, said, nah, I'm not doing it. That guy doesn't show me respect. I'm not showing back up. People that are in the, the FanDuel betting world are like, what is going on? I got us over. I need three more points. What's happening? I bet the under. I was pretty excited about that. But it's just like, what is going on? This team has so much drama. We're going on a 16-game losing streak. To follow it up immediately with a seven-game win streak, you have four first-round picks on this roster from this past year. You have... Kevin Porter, you have all this young talent mixed with a couple of veterans, and there is just nothing good going on in Houston right now. And I don't understand. Unfortunately for Kevin Porter, this isn't the first time that he's had a run-in with staff or a teammate or really anything in between. It goes back to his USC days. When he was at USC, he was suspended from the team for violating team protocol activities. No real news was broken out from there, but there is documented from him that he has anger management issues. Then... He falls in the draft in 2019. He was a consensus top 10 pick, pure talent-wise, coming out of college. But you can't get rid of the baggage. So he fell and fell and fell until pick number 30 came in, and the Cavaliers traded up from the second round. They traded four second-round picks and $3 million in cash to go and get Kevin Porter. That's a huge haul for the 30th overall pick because that's how talented this kid is. Had a great rookie year, showed a lot of strives. He played really well with Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. They were all trying to find their footing. They were a huge young core at this point. Porter's only 19, Darius Garland's 19, Sexton's 20. They're showing to be the future. You can play them together in any way, shape, and form. Then the offseason comes, and Kevin Porter gets arrested on a gun charge with his friend. Gets in a screen match with Coach J.B. Bickerstaff and GM Kobe Altman. They try and set him up. They try to set him up with rehab. They try to set him up with anger management courses. He says no. Then Kevin Porter gets traded to the Houston Rockets for essentially a second-round pick that will never convert because it is top 55 protected and will be expired by 2025. So essentially, we gave up Kevin Porter for nothing. Understandable. You're building a culture. You want you guys that are fully going to be able to buy in. 
and that just didn't make sense. But he has all the talent in the world. He's so talented. He's super athletic. He's six foot five. He's two oh five. He's got a forty inch vertical. He has a super tight handle. He's so raw on an offensive standpoint. You see it, and then after he got traded, you just saw him pop off the page. Efficiency really wasn't there, but he averaged sixteen points, six point five assists, and he let off the end of the season for a fifty one point. 11 assist game, a full FU to the Cavaliers team saying, I don't need you, I can do this, and he just didn't have any run-ins, he was great, and then this happens. They draft Jalen Green, so now he's forced to play point guard, and he doesn't really have the greatest decision-making on or off the court. I don't necessarily know where it goes from here. He is such a mega talent, and I want him to get the help that he needs. I want him, whether it's a mental health clinic, whether it's anger management courses, whatever he needs, he is so young. He just needs the right guidance. And I hope that Steven Silas is going to be that guy because it wasn't John Lucas leading him. Steven Silas needs to take him under his wing and say, we're going to help you. Steven Silas made a great press conference saying, hey, he made a mistake. This is a bump in the road, but we're not going to hinder him for it. We're not going to stop supporting him. We're not going to stop doing that. That's a leader, and I love that he came out and said that because Kevin Porter can be massively successful in this league. He just needs guidance, and he needs to own it himself. He needs to have a lot of self-responsibility in this, but he can do it. Houston Rockets have a lot of potential here on this roster from a pure talent standpoint with Kevin Porter, number two pick Jalen Green, Alvin Shangun, who looks incredible from a footwork standpoint. He had a really professional interview coming out saying that they're managing his minutes, and that's why he's really not because not playing as much as he thinks that he should have, but they really broke it down that it's a, such a massively physical league compared to the pro league that he was playing in to where he is now. His body wasn't ready and he didn't want to get hurt, and he essentially tipped his cap to Steven Silas and management and how they handled it and that he now understands the professional standpoint of, of how he needs to act and how he needs to step up his body. Josh Christopher looks like a steal in the late first round. Garuba is a defensive stalwart. Six foot nine, two forty five, just chiseled at freaking nineteen years old. This team has so much talent. Mix in a couple of veterans. Maybe we'll see John Wall play a game before the end of the season goes. They're not going anywhere. They're not going to win games with John Wall or without John Wall. It's not like John Wall is going to come in and just lead this team to a play-in tournament. Hell no, not a chance in hell. Just let John Wall play. Bring up some trade value. He's going to be on the team next year too. It's not like this year goes off. It's like all right, John Wall goes to free agency. No. You still have John Wall on this roster next year. Play the man. Please let him lead Kevin Porter. Let him lead Jalen Green so they don't fall into bad habits. I understand these guys need playing time. You're still going to play them 30 minutes a game. But you're telling me that you're going to play Deshaun Nix? You're going to play G League players like Armani Brooks? No offense to those guys. But you're going to play them over John Wall? That's 25 minutes right there. Boom. Just solved your problem. Play John Wall. I'm a massive advocate for playing players. I hate that when you bench it. I hate what the Thunder are doing with this just full-on benching healthy players and just saying holding players out because they want to tank, and that's why they're not having a good draft lottery. That's a full another day and another rant that I'm not going to get into. But play players when they're healthy. The fans deserve it. The, the players deserve it. The players don't want to lose. Management wants to tank. Players want to win. It just doesn't build a good environment. You need to promote winning. Let John Wall play. Let the players grow. And let them figure it out. The news has finally arrived. 
I didn't think it would take this long. 35 games into the season, the Nets finally give up. Kyrie Irving is officially back. At the beginning of the season, in the offseason, the Nets and Steve Nash came out and said that Kyrie Irving will be held out until he becomes vaccinated. Put their foot down, said, we're going to stand by it. We believe in the talentless roster, yada, 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 all this fancy, wonderful things. And then the wonderful Mike Tyson quote came out. Everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. The Nets are doing great. They're the number two seed in the East. They are 23 and 12. But unfortunately, they're relying a crap ton on Kevin Durant, who is playing like an MVP candidate. Don't get me wrong. You can argue that he's the number one leader for the MVP. He's leading the league in scoring. He's uberly efficient. His defense is incredible. He's locking down players left and right. He's rebounding. He's blocking shots, stealing the ball, doing whatever needs to get done to will this team to win. But do you really want to rely this heavy on Kevin Durant in the regular season? No. James Harden's not playing anywhere near up to standard, but at least in the past month, he's averaging 26, 11, and 9, which is extremely impressive. Efficiency's really not there, still averaging over four turnovers, still shooting only 42%, but it's an improvement from where he was, where he was shooting under 40%, not that great. But at some point, something had to give, and here we are. The Nets have announced that Kyrie Irving will officially be back Wednesday against the Indiana Pacers to make his very first appearance of the season. He has cleared COVID protocol, he is tested negative, and he's ready to come back. This is terrifying for the league. I don't care that Kyrie is only playing in road games. There is not a single scarier lineup in the NBA that you can find. I don't care if Klay Thompson is healthy. There's not a scarier lineup in the league of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. I don't care the other two players. Very similar like to the Warriors with Steph, Clay, and Draymond. They don't care about the other two players. Those three players can beat anybody. There's not a big three or a big five in the league that match up to those three players at any point. We're talking two former MVPs. We're talking an all-NBA talented point guard where some people will argue that he is the most talented point guard in the NBA when healthy, seeing that he went toe-to-toe against Steph Curry in the NBA Finals and won on countless, on countless possessions. I have so much love for Kyrie Irving on the basketball court. Like I said, it's very well known. I am a massive Cavaliers fan, so seeing what he was able to do for the Cavaliers franchise and beyond is amazing. He has the greatest ball handle in, in NBA history, and I really don't think it's up for debate what he can do on a basketball court. Defensively, this team is obviously going to have questions to answer, but when you put up historic offensive numbers, these players only played 16 games together. Let's just remember that. In those 16 games, they put up the highest offensive efficiency in NBA history. In 16 games, very small sample size. I'm going to repeat that. The highest offensive efficiency in NBA history when those three played together. If they can stay healthy, even if it's just road games, that's fine. It's just road games. You're getting him back. That's amazing. It's incredible. For the Nets, you move Patty Mills back to the bench. Patty Mills proved that he can step up when Kyrie Irving's out. 
No, he's not Kyrie Irving, but he can play off the ball. He can catch and shoot. He has three games this season, over 30 points. He can score in bunches, and he can shoot that three like no tomorrow. Kevin Durant, James Harden can carry the team in home games. And when Kyrie Irving's here on road games, what's your plan? What are you doing to stop him? You're going to put Drew Holiday on him? That's great. That means you're going to have Chris Middleton guarding James Harden. That means you're going to have Giannis guarding Kevin Durant. There's, there's, It's a pick-your-poison game, and at some point, someone's going to give you 40. Someone's going to give you buckets. You surround them with shooters. You surround them with guys like Patty Mills. You surround them with LaMarcus Aldridge, who can bang a mid-range, do a pick-and-pop all day, every day. It's just, they don't really, they're essentially punting on defense. They're saying, eh, we're good. We're going to score 130. You guys might score 120, but who cares? We're still going to win. And it's a hell of a strategy. And I give all the credit to Steve Nash. And I do think it's funny that they're just like, eh, winning's more important. We can set a precedent later. Like, stars have a different treatment. And I understand that. It's just going to be so fun to watch. It's going to be so fun to watch Kyrie play basketball again next to James Harden and next to Kevin Durant because they're going to have to find out ways ways and roles to play together. Harden has proved that he just wants to win. He just wants to win for the first time in his career. Kevin Durant's the guy. Everyone knows Kevin Durant's the guy. He's going to get the shot late. late. But if James Harden's hot, Kevin Durant's going to let him rock. If Irving's hot, Kevin Durant's going to let him rock because he also wants to win. It's just so exciting to see. I want to see how this plays out. But it's only going to be road games. Will it change at the end of the season when maybe mandates get changed? Maybe New York, he is going to be allowed to play. Maybe he does get vaccinated. I don't really know where to speculate. From a strict basketball perspective, from a pure fan, you want to see the best players play. So seeing Kyrie Irving back in a basketball uniform, even if it's just road games, I'm hyped. And I will be tuning in 100% on Wednesday. The King still resides in L.A. LeBron James is playing on another level right now. And the fact that he wasn't chosen for Western Conference Player of the Month over Donovan Mitchell while averaging more points, more rebounds, more assists, a better percentage shooting in every way, shape, and form, and better defensive stats is absolutely mind-boggling. But that's for another day. LeBron is doing everything and anything to keep this team's head above water while AD is out. AD is still going to be out for a few more weeks. Frank Vogel has come out and said that his primary centers on this team are going to be LeBron James and AD when he comes back healthy. Completely removing Dwight Howard, completely removing DeAndre Jordan, and saying we're going to go full-on small ball. The other night, for the past three games, the Lakers have thrown out a lineup of Russell Westbrook, Avery Bradley, Malik Monk, Trevor Ariza, and LeBron James. I'm tired for LeBron just thinking about that lineup. Then your first player off the bench is Talon Horton Tucker. They have one shooter in that lineup, and that's Malik Monk. Don't sit here and think that Avery Bradley is still the Avery Bradley of five, six years ago, where he was able to be a 3 and D guy and a lockdown guy. He's giving you defensive energy, and I get that. Thinking that he's going to shoot five to seven threes a game and make 40%, you're living in fantasy land. Not a chance in hell. AD needs to come back and needs to come back ASAP because he's going to solve a lot of their problems. No, he doesn't shoot. He's shooting 18% from three. Doesn't shoot at all. Doesn't need to shoot. LeBron is shooting the most threes of his career. He's shooting the highest percentage of his career. He just has the most volume of his career. He will shoot threes. He'll make plays. He'll do what needs to be done as his career is transforming into year 
and he's 37. Him at the four, AD at the five, and LeBron moving to small ball five at certain points with Westbrook because you can't bench Westbrook. As much as you want to bench Westbrook, you can't bench Westbrook. Malik Monk, and I'm assuming the fifth player in that lineup, if you want shooting, you go Carmelo Anthony. If you want defense and intangibles, I guess you go Taylor Horton Tucker. There are a couple different ways you can go about it. I'm not really too sure what that looks like. Is that a championship roster? I want to say yes, just because LeBron's on it. Do I believe that? Not really. Because it's pretty evident that I don't believe a second in Russell Westbrook and what he's able to do. Because he just he plays his own game. He doesn't care who's on the court. LeBron, AD, Michael Jordan, every Hall of Famer. Westbrook's going to play his game. He refuses to take a step back. I was watching the game yesterday where they were playing against the Kings. And Westbrook's just doing whatever the hell he wants to do. He was 4 of 13 in the first half. It was his first game since 2016 that he didn't have a turnover. If your point guard goes nearly five years without having a game with zero turnovers, that's an issue. That's a very large problem with the way that he plays. And he refuses to change it. He refuses. He's an attack-minded player. He goes one speed the entire time, and he just can't shoot. He's shooting bricks off the side of the backboard, the top of the backboard. He's throwing balls out of bounds. He doesn't fit the offense. They have one saving grace somehow, and that's Malik Monk. Malik Monk deserves a whole hell of a lot of props because while he's not really giving a lot defensively, no one on this team is, he is stepping up massively for this team that is desperate for shooting. He's averaging 15 points, 40% from three, on six attempts since the start of December. They need that. They need him to be that. He's had five games over 20 points. He can go up and light it up. And Malik Monk has shown that he is going to be the starting shooting guard moving forward. He can initiate some pick and roll. Not a lot. Should be coming off more screens. Comes off more elevator screens. Stands in the corner. Can cut when need to. He's super athletic. He can get to the paint. I'm just interested to see where this looks long term. Because the defense needs such massive work. And if you're playing LeBron at the center position, no offense to LeBron in any way, shape, or form, how is that difference versus like a player like Vooch? He, he's just not a, a paint presence. He's not a shot blocker. He never was. He's a chase down shot blocker, but he's not going to like sit there and like be the deterrent that like a guy like Miles Turner is or a guy like Anthony Davis is. So I understand the... And he's also not the level of defender that Draymond Green is. He's a great defender. He's a great player. He's a great basketball mind. I get that. Having him play center for 15, 20 minutes a game, I don't see the the actual plan in that in any way because you're taking him away from the ability to like start fast breaks and get him moving in traffic and getting ahead of the defense. Now he's going to be having to play in the half court, and this team is not built to play in the half court. This team is meant to run because they can't shoot. And... One thing I really want to touch on is, yes, the Westbrook decision to get him was awful, and the fit is awful, and it's proven that. One thing that really goes is that they made a decision to choose between the young THT or the quote-unquote old Alex Caruso. And they chose THT, and they gave him essentially the contract that they would have gave Caruso. If you flip-flop them and you give Caruso in this lineup, that's championship roster. I don't care what anyone says. If you're throwing out Westbrook, Malik Monk, Al Caruso, LeBron, and AD, I like that because you can minimize Westbrook to the best of your ability. He's gonna he is what he is. He's gonna he's gonna be that. But Caruso is three and D. 
He can guard one through three, no problem. He can shoot the three at nearly a 40% clip. Now you have two shooters shooting at a 40% clip, the way the LeBron's shooting at nearly a 35% clip, AD in the paint, and then Westbrook doing whatever the hell he wants to do. That's a championship roster. But right now you have Taylor Horton Tucker, who his trade value is plummeting by the day. His shooting 25% from three is averaging, I think, 11 points from, uh, from the field. Shooting 41% from the field. He's just there. He's young. He has so much potential. But he doesn't fit this roster in any way, shape, and form. And I understand that you don't want to give up all your youth. But you're at the Lakers. You have LeBron. LeBron wins now. He doesn't care about the future. He wins now. So getting rid of Alex Caruso and keeping THT doesn't make sense. There's a lot of things this team needs to figure out. They're apparently involved in Ben Simmons trades and Jeremy Grant rumors and all this other stuff with zero talent to be traded. You still have a guy like Kendrick Nunn who hasn't played a minute on this team and maybe he'll give some more offensive punch. You're relying a whole hell of a lot on Carmelo Anthony to play almost 30 minutes a game who's still a mid-range savant. So fun to watch, but as pure nostalgia, you don't want Carmelo Anthony playing 30 minutes a game at 38 years old in today's NBA. You don't want it. It's not going to be successful. The Lakers have a lot of questions, but LeBron is still the king, averaging 34 points, 11 rebounds, and 8 assists for the entire month of December. He is hotter than anybody in the NBA. He's playing like he's forcing himself into the MVP candidate. It's going to be a lot up for debate. The Lakers have a lot of questions that need to be answered, and hopefully they do for LeBron's sake, and hopefully AD comes back soon. But the way that LeBron's playing right now, they have a chance versus anybody. And that is all the time we have for today. I appreciate everybody coming by, giving us a listen, checking us out on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Spotify at Courtside Views Podcast. If you guys enjoy it, give us a follow, five stars as well. Uh, We will see you guys next time. Enjoy.